CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Happy Friday, Options Action fans. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Chris Barone, head of technical strategy at Strategus, Mike Coe, and Tony Zhang. Coming up, Reefer Madness hits the options market. The cannabis trade blazing hot will break down what is fueling this frenzy and lay out a way for you to play pot without getting burned. Plus, the next big opportunity in chips is this name on the brink of a big breakout. We'll bring you the trade. And later, we're taking your tweets. If you've got a question about an options trade, tweet us at Options Action. We might just answer you on the air. We start off tonight with a record day on Wall Street. The Dow, Nasdaq, and S&P 500 closing at all-time highs. And while the record rally continues to play out here in the U.S., there could be an even bigger opportunity emerging abroad. So let's go off the charts with Chris Verone. Chris, take it away. Yeah, I think the big story is not what happened domestically this week, but what we're seeing globally, particularly emerging markets. This is a really important juncture for EM. You're breaking out of a 50 year base. This was a hugely consequential week. If we pull up the first chart, this is the EEM, the ETF. And just think about the longer term catalyst here. Dollar's been weak. Flows are starting to move west to east, north to south. Rates, oil, copper. I think the setup here is still very attractive for this to be the beginning of a longer term move. Remember, the last time EM broke out to this magnitude, back in 07, Oil was 90, uh, rates were 5%, DXY was 75. So I think there's big macro implications. If we go to the second chart, let's not forget what a just challenging last 15 years this has been. You've had 10 20% drawdowns in EM over the last 15 years. This has not been a place to make money until very, very recently. So I understand it's overbought in the short term, but in the context of the longer term picture, we think this move is just beginning. And let's go back even a little bit further in history, chart number three here, and remind ourselves that this breakout this week in EEM looks a lot like the breakout back in 2004, 2005. You were basically sideways in emerging markets from the mid-90s through 04. When you broke out in late 2004, you went up for the next three years to the order of magnitude of about up 130%. I think that's a pretty decent framework or a decent playbook to think about EEM over the next number of years. China is driving this move. It's one of our favorite parts uh, within the emerging market complex. Uh, The China chart here, these are the A shares. There's an ETF for this as well, but uh, ASHR would be the ETF. The A-shares are the local names in China. These have not broken out yet. They're just starting to push up against those 2006, 2007 highs. I think ultimately these will. And the way we want to play it is through the Chinese tech stocks. With oil still modestly around 60, rates still low, I don't think we have to own the commodity-oriented China names. I want to own the tech-oriented China names. KWeb ticker KWEB, is the Chinese tech uh, ETF. You had a big breakout here uh, over the last couple of weeks. It's probably stretched in the short term, but I think you can be a buyer of any pullbacks in KWEB. But what's most important for us is China tech is starting to outperform U.S. tech. So if you look at KWEB relative to the QQQ, the NASDAQ 100 ETF, that's where the big breakout is coming. 
China tech starting to outperform U.S. tech. So we like this setup. It may be overbought in the short term. Buy weakness, EM. This was a big week and a major, major breakout. So, Mike, based on that, what's your trade? Yeah, I mean, Chris is hitting on some pretty uh, important fundamental factors here. So we, we've obviously seen equities all around the world. They've, they've really rallied very strongly. We often talk about what the principal driver for this is. And, of course, we talk about uh, stimulus plans. We talk about monetization. I have a quick chart here I think people ought to take a look at. It just gives us a little bit of context. What I have here is a 40-year chart of M2 over GDP in the United States. And it just gives us a sense of the increase in the monetary supply relative to the size of nominal GDP. And, and of course, that's going to propel risk assets. That's what's going on here, folks. And if you see that situation, you might worry about things like treasuries. Now, of course, the Fed can manipulate rates. So we could argue that they are manipulating rates. So it's hard to short them. You know, obviously, a hedge against that would be to buy commodities. But you also have to look for areas of real growth. And, of course, I think sensibly we would look to emerging markets where we haven't actually seen quite the same growth in the money supply relative to GDP there. So I like Chris's choice of K-Web. Of course, he also highlighted the fact that this thing has just broken out. We've just seen a huge move. This thing's up over 90 percent in just one year. And this is, a, this is an ETF, by the way, that includes all of the familiar names in the Chinese complex. We're talking about Baidu, Tencent, JD, Baba, and so on. So this is sort of the familiar big names are going to land in this thing. But if you are inclined to make a bullish bet, and because of this basically you know, big rally that we've seen and it's tough to chase, options are really the only safe way to play it. I was taking a look at the March 105-115 call spread. So that's relatively short dated if you're trying to play this momentum. When I was looking at this, you could pay $3.70 for those 105 calls, sell the 115s against it for $1.10. Net-net, you're laying out $2.60 to buy that $10 call spread. And the idea here is that if this rally that we're seeing, if this momentum continues, because that's really what this is, a momentum trade, you're going to be risking about 2.5% of K-Web's price. If it falls back, you're not going to risk any more than that. But, of course, you do get some participation. The ultimate payoff could be almost 3 to 1 if it rallies up through 115 by March expiration, a little bit more than a month away. And, you know, this is a dangerous situation we find ourselves in. You know, what if the stimulus turns out to be, for at least the short term, the market's sort of last gasp for a while? Because we are seeing signs of froth, in my view. Tony, what do you make of this trade? Yeah, the charts here are very compelling as as Chris laid out, especially from the period from June to, to January, the last seven months, even though it's been performing on, a, on an absolute basis, there's been no relative performance even to U.S. tech sector. But it really take, took off here over the last three weeks or so. So not only is it outperforming the U.S. tech sector, it's also outperforming EEM here. So, and, and this makes a lot of sense based on the exposure, as Mike was saying, to the sector in terms of in a country that is largely going back to normal. But I specifically like Mike's trade because Chris mentioned it's currently overbought. There's a little bit of too far too fast here in the, in the short run here. So so using a debit spread here makes a lot of sense, risking only 2.5%, especially when implied volatilities on KWEB is actually still relatively high right now. Chris, if you wanted to go stock specific, which component in KWEB looks, looks strong? A lot of them. Uh, <laughs> Alibaba, I think, is a good place to start. Uh, you know, Baba had a good correction. They took Baba down 35% 
over the last three or four months. That correction in Alibaba is over. The stock has started to firm here. But I think what Mike and Tony kind of talk about here in the context of the short-term story, using the options exposure to get exposure to the equity, which is probably overbought in the short term, it gives us an opportunity from an equity standpoint to be a buyer of any weakness for the actual stock uh, here as well. And I think when you put this again in kind of context of the macro picture, we shouldn't forget the last time EEM was at these levels, 10-year yields were 5%, the DXY was 75, mm. copper was five bucks. So I think this also says or speaks to the idea that a lot of the macro indicators probably have more to go here uh, over the next number of years as well. All right, let's get to the semis. NVIDIA pulling back today, but off to a flying start in 2021. The chipmaker reports earnings later this month, and Tony's got a way to play it to the upside and put a little bit of money into your pocket. So, Tony, explain. Yeah, I want to take a look at NVIDIA because we saw a massive breakout here earlier this week, and I think there's some significant upside here. So if we take a look at a longer-term chart here, the stock has ran quite a bit from about a little under $200 to the September 2nd high of about 585 But it spent the last six months consolidating into this wedge formation, and just this week it started to break out higher here. Now, if we look at NVIDIA relative to its sector, despite this, over the last six months, ever since that September 2nd high, it's actually severely underperformed the sector itself. But on the breakout here this week that we've seen, it started to outperform the sector. And that's a type of relative strength that I like to see going into the earnings event here in two weeks or so. And if we switch our attention here to the earnings itself, I think there's two parts that we really have to focus on. One is the Bitcoin rally here. That's going to drive quite a bit of GPU demand for their chips, but also on the cloud computing space, which has actually been a drag for this company over the last six or nine months, uh, both Azure and AWS have been reporting strong growth on their cloud business. So I expect uh, NVIDIA to actually play a little bit of catch up here on the, on the cloud business. So there's a couple of things to consider when we're placing a trade here. First of all, the implied volatility here of, of NVIDIA at all time highs is actually still fairly elevated, still at it's about 25 percentile here at all time highs. But the other chip makers that have reported earnings the past couple of weeks that have reported strong earnings, but the price still came down because of supply constraints, that is some of my concerns as far as how much higher NVIDIA can go in the short run. So for those reasons, I'm going to use a put credit spread. I'm going out to March and I'm selling the 590, 550 put credit spread, collecting about $30.45 on that March 590 put. Um, buying the 550s for about $14.90. Net net here, I'm collecting about $15.55 credit, which is about 38% of the width. And the goal here is so that I can be profitable even if NVIDIA doesn't rally significantly right on the get-go and actually pulls back and retests the support level here. Yeah, Mike, Tony mentioned uh, the Bitcoin dynamic. There's the chip shortage. There's just the cyclical nature of chips. What do you make of Tony's trade? Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting because in the prior half hour, you know, I was listening to Pete talk about Intel and how they really aren't delivering in terms of product. Um, and that obviously is one of the shortcomings there. NVIDIA is kind of the opposite case, right? So it isn't just the GPU demand. It is the nature of these chips that they are producing. These new uh, RTX series chips are really, you know, I think basically the standard right now and are in high demand for many things and not just Bitcoin mining, but obviously gaming and things like that. These things are actually, in many cases, sold out. You can't even get them. So obviously it's very good when you make a premium product 
and they're in such demand that you just can't keep up. The thing is, this has had an incredible run, and I think that's one of the reasons why we're seeing that implied volatility in the name is high. We're at a kind of a precarious tipping point. I think we're sort of running along a razor's edge here, and a lot of stocks that have seen big, big run-ups and already are at very, very heady valuations, like NVIDIA is. And for that reason, I kind of like the trade that he's doing here. Obviously, when options premiums are elevated, you want to look to sell them, but you don't want to sell them naked. Right here, he's collecting close to 40% of the difference between the strikes. He's obviously identified a catalyst. That catalyst is going to come several weeks, actually, before this spread expires. So if the trade goes wrong and the stock goes down, it actually isn't likely going to go to the full value, that full $40 difference between the strikes. So it isn't really a situation where you're going to make 15 to potentially lose 25 it's probably a little bit better uh, dynamics than that unless the stock really falls out of bed. So he's trying to take advantage of a couple things that are setting up and not taking a huge amount of risk by making a bullish play in you know this stock, which like so many others has seen just a spectacular run. Yeah, Razor's Edge really jumped out at me, Chris, because I think that, that you can probably use mm -hmm. that phrase for the entire sector, which has seen a massive run. I mean, I think the socks, that's a yeah. new record today. Yeah, and not only that, you have 100% of the socks above its 200-day moving average. So not only is it the big names that are leading here, this is really broad. Now, if we focus on NVIDIA, I, I like how Tony draws the lines. I, I, I think he's right on with where this goes um, over the next number of months. Remember, from the March lows until about September, NVIDIA was up 200% off the lows. Then it was dead money for the last five months. It went nowhere. Bulls were frustrated, bears were frustrated, no one made any money here until this week. This was a big breakout getting up through 590. I think stock trade 598, 599 right now. I think you can hit a longer term target here in the 690 to 700 range. That's where I would focus on this going. But in addition to Nvidia, I mean it's Micron breaking out here. Even Intel for the first time in a while acting better. So this is still a broad move in semis. I get nervous when groups start to narrow or when participation starts to thin. We haven't seen it in semis yet. All right. For everything Options Action, you can check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. Meantime, here's what's coming up next. Reefer madness hits the options market. Weed stocks smoking hot this week. We'll break down what's fueling the cannabis craze and lay out a way to play pot without getting burned. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Reefer Madness, Payment Palooza, Silver Surge. That's just a glimpse into what is playing out right now in the options market. Mike did some number crunching, found that retail trader favorites like Tilray, Sundial, PayPal, GameStop, and others accounted for a whopping 9% of the total options volume in the U.S. this week. The options market's a jungle right now. So, Mike, why don't you guide us through what is happening and where things might be headed? 
Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, first of all, of course, we had the Reddit Rebellion names. Those are the GameStops, AMCs, Blackberries, Nokias, and everything. We saw a lot of activity there. Many of those names were trading well over a million contracts a day. Then, of course, we started to see things pick up. This week, we were actually highlighting it. A lot of the cannabis stocks, Tilray, Canopy, Apria, and so on. Those things similarly seeing these big upticks in volume. And then, Interestingly, because some of these are much bigger companies, you know, MasterCard, Visa, PayPal, these are not $300 million companies that are suddenly getting attention of some of these traders. These are $300 billion companies. And even these are getting moved around. That, to me, is quite extraordinary. And by the way, there's more than 1,700 securities that have options on them traded in the United States. So when you say 10 stocks are 9% of the volume, just keep that in your mind. It's not like this is 10% of the market or even 1% of the market. It's a much smaller number. So that, I think, is very interesting. The other thing is our systems were just picking up on how these types of options flows are actually impacting the behavior of these stocks. The ones that we're seeing the most bullish sentiment, and a lot of this is retail flows. We're talking about five lots, one lots, two lots, people risking a couple hundred dollars, maybe a thousand, maybe fifteen hundred dollars. But these things are moving stocks around. We saw that the top 10 most active stocks that we were seeing this kind of activity outperformed the market handily, more than 5% increases in just the range of about three days. So people often talk about the real money accounts, Wellington, Fidelity, Putnam, things like that. But really what we're talking about is small players. And apparently when they band together, they're as impactful as the real money accounts can be at moving stocks. Apparently, I mean, given the presence that they have been in the market this week. Tony, what did you make of this action? And I'm guessing, um, you know, Mike had mentioned the, the lot size, but it's also, I'm sure, where, um, you know, how far out these contracts are for. Short-dated contracts seem to be the favorite amongst the retail investor. Yeah, exactly. Very short dated, usually no more than one to two weeks out, which is generally speaking the type of contracts that we don't trade very much here on Options Action. And, you know, we saw a lot of this back in September. The September 2nd high that we reference in so many of these names were, was put in as a result of retail traders driving up names like Apple and Tesla to fairly dizzying heights by buying these really far out of the money call options. It really speaks to the power of, of retail investors in the current market that we're in. And I couldn't be more proud to be part of this show that's been advocating for retail investors to use options for the past decade. Yep. All right, let's zero in on one of these areas sparking up this week. Pot stocks, they are smoking hot right now, forgive me for the pun, and Tony's got a way to play it without getting burned. Tony, walk us through. Exactly. So we've seen a roller coaster ride this week with cannabis stocks. And I think for investors looking to seek some exposure here, an ETF might make some sense and MJ that ETF and potentially utilizing options to actually capture some of this volatility that we've seen here this week. So for investors who are not familiar, MJ is an ETF that gives you exposure to about 34 different cannabis stocks. About 50% exposure in Canada, 33% exposure to the US, and the other 15% globally. And if we take a look at the chart here for MJ, since inception, the stock has held the $24 support level, but broke below that level in September 2019, when it just completely fell apart all the way down to the $9 level, but managed to climb all the way back up after the Biden win and the Georgia elections runoff here, uh, got back above the $24 level this week. Now we saw a 
little bit of uh, quite a bit of volatility this week as a result of Reddit pushing this uh, this ETF all the way up to the $34 level, but came quickly crashing back down to that $24 low support level that I was referencing. But it has held that level, and I think that is the opportunity to potentially get some long exposure in this particular ETF. Now, just a couple of things to consider when you're thinking about putting on a trade here. You've had extreme volatility in this particular stock, so. MJ's implied volatility actually made a new all-time high yesterday and is still at the 30-day volatility is at about 109%, which is in the 70th percentile over the past year. So when you consider the extremely high elevated implied volatility and the extreme moves that we've seen here this week, which generally after those these types of extreme moves you see a period of quietness. The trade structure I want to use takes advantage of both of these things, which is the same put spread that I'm using in Nvidia. Now, MJ does not list weekly options, so I'm going out to March and I'm selling the 25-21 put spread here, collecting about $3.10 on the March 25 puts, and then paying about $1.25 for the March 21 puts. Net net here, I'm collecting about $1.85, which is about 46% of the width. Chris, what'd you make of the chart here? Well, I think we gotta remember for a long time, 2018, 2019, you had MJ trade in the 30 to 40 range. You think about the last several months here. The low back in March was nine bucks. The high this week was 34. You split that in half, you come to 22. Not too far off from Tony's 24 support zone. What we've seen in moves like this, when you get these parabolic moves, the corrections, you tend to give back half the advance. So giving back half of 9 to 34 brings us to 22. I think that's pretty good support, this 22 range, an area where I would look to get long. All right. Coming up next, we are taking your tweets. So send them our way at Options Action. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. We've got time for a tweet. Our next viewer asks, how about CVS and earnings next week? I was looking at the chart, and it looks like 71 was formerly resistance and now is a stock support. This viewer wants to put a credit, a put credit spread on. Um, Chris, what do you tell him? I think that's a very timely observation. This is a stock that's bottoming. This is a stock that's getting better. And when prior resistance becomes support, it speaks to the improving technical picture. You have the 50-day up to the 200 as well. You're going to break this thing out through 77, and then you're going to go to 90. This is a much, much improving technical picture. We like it here. All right. Up next, final call. Final call, Chris. Long K-Web, China Tech. Mike. K-Web call for us. Tony. Put credit spread on MJ. Have a great long weekend. Mad Money with Jim Kramers up next. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.